Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Skyping's It's so funky. <laughs> I don't even know how we did it. And I don't mean like how we did, you know, so many episodes. Because did we even take a break? Rebecca, did we take a break? Uh, I don't think we did take a break. I don't think we took a break. We usually take a break. But I don't think this year we took a break. And I'm really impressed with that. But also, I'm impressed that we didn't take a break, even though the world never gave us a break this year. (laughs) There was 2020, and then there was 2021. And it's really just been a consistent uh, flow of fuckery, truly. But apparently, according to the astrologist, next year is things are looking up. And um, that was a crazy for you. Musical theater reference. Shout out to everybody who got that. I've been looking the world right over. Jordy just tried to jump over the couch. It's a new couch. He doesn't understand that he can't jump over it. And so he keeps trying. And with that noise that you just heard was him trying and failing. So every year we have started a tradition of doing a keep it or dump it episode at the end of the year where we talk about all the things we're keeping from that year and what we are dumping. Now I will say this, like some of the things that we have chosen are kind of more generic in nature, but they were topics and they were very prevalent in this year in particular. Okay. But we're going to start off with something joyful, like the new wonder years, the show on ABC. Now, I don't know about you all, but I used to watch The Wonder Years back in the day with, you know, Kevin and Winnie Cooper and, you know, the theme song. What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? You know, and it was about the 60s and his brother was a prick, just like a consummate prick. And now they've done a new Wonder Years that takes place in the same time period from the point of view of a young black boy and his middle class family in the suburbs. And when I tell you, it is an incredible show, like laugh out loud, writing is impeccable. The characters are black characters that are fully fleshed out and seen. The conversations being had are nuanced and clever and also at the same time, like, available for everybody. The actors, uh, Sekhan Senglo, who I'm definitely going to have on the pod, and DeLay Hill do an incredible job. Don Cheadle does the voiceover. Remember in the original Wonder Years, it's a voiceover that's happening, that's narrating. Well, Don Cheadle is the voice on this one. And the young man who plays the lead, I mean, he is just fabulous. It's and you're, you're probably like, why is she so hype? <laughs> and it's because, well, first of all, a lot of our black comedies that have been really like tent poles in the past few years are ending. Insecure, blackish, dear white people. I don't even know where Atlanta is. Like, you know, those are the few and far between of comedies and they are not continuing. They're reaching their series finales. So it really does mean a lot that there are comedies that are coming up 
to replace them that are giving, you know, voice to black experience, but that are also done in a very quality fashion. And so I'm really just thoroughly excited about this show. And I'm like the biggest champion, like everybody keep it for 2022, because if you haven't added it to your viewing schedule, it is worth it. And it just brings you joy. It's literally just like a joyful show. And it doesn't ignore the context of being black in the 60s, but it doesn't undermine the humanity of everything else that's happening while the world is happening to you. And I think that's what I love most about it. So keep it. The Wonder Years. What are we going to dump, Amanda? Speaking of television... We are dumping people not discerning the difference between characters and the people playing them. So I got into like a whole situation because I play the role of Tiffany on Insecure. And in the first episode of the season, she wears a sweater with the AKA letters on them. And she's been acknowledged as an AKA throughout the series. And the Alpha Cap Alpha Sorority organization has approved their presence on the show. That's been going on since season one. But people were really in an uproar that my character was wearing the letters and they were really targeting me as if I had done like an incredible, disrespectful thing. And I guess my thing is like, I'm not in a sorority, so I can't be the one to say like, you shouldn't be offended by this. But there were a lot of people in sororities who were like, yeah, you shouldn't be offended by this. But my thing was like, I'm an employee on the show. Like, I'm not doing anything in my mind to overtly disrespect this institution. I'm doing my best in my character to, you know, be respectful. And ultimately, the organization had already approved it. And so for me as an actor, like, I had checked that and felt like that was all that was needed. Like, this wasn't something that was happening under a table or or just disrespectfully. Like, it was like they had already approved that. So back in season one... I had already like said, you know, this is approved, right? And they're like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> but the fact that people are were coming at me as Amanda, like, look what Amanda did. And I'm just like, well, first of all, Amanda's an employee playing a character on a TV show written by other people and produced by other people. So you should be talking to those other people. And then I see like things like, okay, the young woman who plays Condola on the show, the amount of like meanness that was slung at Christina Elmore as if she is an actual person that is breaking up this couple is bizarre to me. And let's just a side note. I don't even know why people would have a problem with Condola because Condola and Lawrence were dating. She got pregnant. Like that's life that she wasn't like, and now you got to break up with Issa. She was just like, yeah, like I'm pregnant and I felt you should know. So, I just say all that to say that reality TV, I feel like, has really blurred the lines for folks between, like, what is television and what is character and what is fake and what is real. But it needs to be made explicitly clear that acting is an art form of pretending. And in its best iteration, it's pretending for the sake of telling stories that may not necessarily get the opportunity to be told, for telling stories that excite, that empower, that inspire, that inform. Like storytelling as a human art form is one of the few things that I feel like humans have brought to this earth that is special and that should be preserved. You know, keep it storytelling like forever because it is an imaginative skill that brings so much to so many people. 
So then when we're dealing with like actors in the art form of film and television and now in audio, I mean, they're bringing stories to life. So I'm not really sure why that's like become a thing that a lot of people seem to not understand. But here and now, I want to leave that misunderstanding (laughs) in 2021 and get us back to having clear lines between what is considered art and acting, what is considered reality TV, and those distinctions being upheld and not being dropped for the sake of just pylons on the internet. Because people really just be wanting some shit to be mad about. And I guess if it's not happening in real life, they're like, well, fuck it. We're going to be mad about these characters. (laughs) Keep it. Intellectualism. So I'm not saying you got to go to college to be an intellectual by any means. However, I do think that there's a certain level of correlation between the fact that, like, there was a lot of talk about how you don't need to go to college to get a job. And the fact that, like, colleges are so fucking expensive that you're, like, going into debt and people are like, I don't want to go into debt for no fucking reason. And what we saw was I feel like I've seen a real decline in the conversations that I'm hearing around college being of value. And when I talk about keep it intellectualism, I'm starting at the conversation of college because I really feel like for me, that was the place where my critical thinking skills, my comparative analysis skills, et cetera, were really honed. And we are living in a world where outside of those spaces, I don't feel like that's happening in the same way. Now, again, I would love to see other areas and spaces where those things are regarded. But it feels like in America, they are few and far between. And we had a president for four fucking years that literally made the term alternative facts a thing. There is no such thing as alternative facts. And I need to be explicitly clear in this. It's literally a gaslight term. It makes no fucking sense. It's just another word for lies. That's it. Lies, fabrications, manipulations. That's what that is. But there were so many people that like have latched on to the lack of intellectualism that went on within that administration because it made them feel empowered in their idiocy. That now I feel like folks are weaponizing intellectualism in ways that we'll talk about later, but in ways that are so frightening to me because I feel like my life as an American in this country is being run and decided by not only racist motherfuckers, but also like idiots. You know, we talk about who's that who's that lady, Marjorie something from from Georgia, who's a QAnon supporter. Like I I'm be, it's beyond my scope of comprehension. Like people are literally planting a flag in, yeah, I don't know about this, but I'm gonna talk about it anyway. When I see people say to me things like, you know, just because you aren't an expert at something doesn't mean you can't talk about it. It should limit how much you talk about it. It should limit the breadth of your opinion about it. And you should absolutely make more room for the experts to talk about it than you. But there's this energy that says that intellectualism is elitism. And that is what's so scary to me because it's not about elitism. It's not about like I'm better than you or somebody's better than you. It's simply about like it matters to me as a person that I use my brain 
to its fullest extent and capacity in moving through this world. And when you do that, when you decide to do that, it allows you to be open way more to not just intellectual things, but to spirituality, to flexibility, to tolerance, to curiosity. It opens your mind up to all these other pathways that in essence make you a far more effective part of society. And I rooted Smart, Funny, and Black in the academic space because it is so important to me that we uphold education as a tenant of our liberation. And I don't just mean Black people. I mean just humans. It is imperative. And I always say, you know, when it comes to Black folks, they didn't want us to read. It was illegal. Well, maybe that wasn't by accident because they knew that reading and having access to knowledge is power. So as we move into 2022 and, you know, we leave this year behind where I feel like I just saw such an egregious amount of folks really just making the choice to say, well, I don't know about that and it doesn't matter. I want us to make sure that we keep intellectualism. We keep making it our business to grow our minds, to expand the borders of our consciousness, and to understand and be curious about things that may not have mattered to us anymore. There is nothing valuable in ego that keeps you away from growth. We all need a certain level of ego because you need to have a grounded sense of self. But when it gets to a point where your ego is impeding your roots from growing, then you have played yourself. So let's keep intellectualism in the 2022, in the deuce deuce. (laughs) In line with that, can we dump the phrase, I did my own research? Can we do it? Please. I guess the concept is by saying I did my own research, it means that I have gathered information on my own and I'm bringing it to the people. But what I really feel like people fail to understand is that all research is not created equal. (laughs) All sources are not created equal. So when you say I did my own research, like that doesn't by any means like absolve your role in having to define what that research was, what the sources of that were, and supporting and how they support your conclusion. I did my own research is not a signifier of intellectualism or of smartness or of thoroughness. It really is just saying, like, I did my own shit and came to this conclusion. But if your own shit means that you followed a bunch of people who feel the same way you did, that's not necessarily research, right? Like, the idea of research is you not only getting supporting opinions, but also trying to identify if there are opinions that, there's a better word for this, but that cancel out your thesis. So, you know, the idea of research particularly for science, I will say, is that it's supposed to be very well-rounded. Now, when you're doing like a research paper for English or whatever, you know, you would always like come up with a thesis and then you find things that support your thesis to say like, see, this is a thing, this is real. But if in that findings, you find things that undermine your thesis, you have to include that. (laughs) Because if you don't, then you are presenting biased research. And any research that's biased is not really valuable. It isn't because it's not actually painting a full picture of what's going on. And I know that in the vaccine of it all, we have seen so many people on both sides, anti-vaxxers and people who are about the vaccine, say, well, I did my own research and not actually back that up. So let's just like chuck, I did my own research in the bin. 
right? Instead, if you're going to say, I did my own research, cite your sources. If you're going to do your own research, be real about what that research is. Are you looking on YouTube? YouTube is not an actual source unless you are able to vet the actual video and the legitimacy of the person speaking there or of the information they put there. So I don't want to hear I did my own research in the deuce deuce unless it actually has research attached to it that is valuable. <laughs> but I'm Which brings me to critical race theory. So in 2021, we saw the explosion of right-wing and MAGA supporters on various levels, right? On a legislative level, as well as on a school level, come to the conclusion that we need to, as a nation, cease teaching critical race theory because we are teaching children about racism. Now, the thing about critical race theory is that critical race theory is actually a term coined by Kimberly Crenshaw, who is a law professor, and she created critical race theory as a theory that discusses the way race has played a role in the creation of legislation and laws. And that is absolutely true and and fact and vital. So if we're discussing the constitution of this country and the ways that it has been amended and the ways it has been applied, we cannot do so without acknowledging that race has played an integral role in that process. So that is critical race theory. Now, the comedy is that when you ask any of these people like about critical race theory and actually what it is, they can't even tell you that because they don't really know. Because what they think critical race theory is, is literally just teaching about the existence of race and racism. They say that they don't want the kids to learn about racism because they're teaching them that this country is racist. This country is racist. It was founded on racist ideals. It was founded on sexist ideals. It was founded on classist ideals. All of that is true. And I am like, we have to keep not only critical race theory, but we have to keep teaching children about the truth about this nation so that they can feel empowered to change it. And so now we're seeing teachers who are being put in a chokehold in terms of what they can teach in class. We're seeing in Pennsylvania, they had a whole ban on any books that spoke about race. I'm talking books about like Rosa Parks, et cetera. I mean, and the ban was overturned because there was enough hullabaloo about it. I just said hullabaloo. But it was like, oh, wow, this is really happening. And I don't think a lot of us are really admitting to ourselves the extent to which things are really happening. We are in a nation that is vastly and very swiftly moving backwards. And we weren't that forward to begin with, but it's moving backwards and it's becoming a, 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 shit, it feels like it's becoming a nation state. California could secede. I wouldn't be surprised if in my lifetime, if it keeps going in this direction, if California doesn't secede. Because California feels like literally like the only place that feels sane. Like in California, while other places are like banning books on race, California just put a mandate that says all students have to take ethnic studies as a requirement to graduate. (laughs) Whereas other states like Texas are like, no, you can't get abortions. California, bunch of laws just passed that protect abortions. Other states, homelessness is rampant and being treated as like, well, that's those poor people's problem. Now, don't get me wrong. Homelessness in California, definitely a big issue that is being addressed. But one of the things I saw recently was that California, I saw data that said that California had given homeless people jobs in the sanitation department that had gotten like over like 17,000 folks permanent housing and permanent jobs. 
And don't quote me on that because again, I couldn't find the actual quote. It could be 7,000 or I think it is 17,000 because 7,000 wouldn't have impressed me that much. But I say all of that to say that we're in a nation that is actively attempting to erase the truth of not only its past, but its present in order to continue to implement those racist ideals in the future. That's the only reason why this would be the case. Because when you continue the work of racism, you continue to create a workforce that supports the prison industrial crisis, which as we know is just a continuance of slave labor. When you continue the presence of racism, you continue to uphold a white elitism that gets the opportunity to work in its own way without much interruption, without much interference and continuing capitalism and producing wealth. And when you continue to keep racism in play, you keep the people on the bottom of these spaces, these white spaces, you keep them working as pawns to basically fight off all the other folks that are implicated in these racial conversations and you let them do the dirty work, even though they're not getting much better. They have white privilege, but that privilege in comparison to the folks that are actually making the choice to push this critical race theory ban, et cetera, et cetera, like they're not even anywhere close to the level of privilege that those people are getting. But just being white is enough. And that's the message racism sends them, that just being white is enough for me to fight against common sense and truth being paramount. I would rather fight to simply just be identified as that than to fight for the freedom of actual knowledge and of everybody and equality for all. Isn't that wild? So critical race theory within our law schools has to be upheld. And being taught about racism and its implications in our grade schools has to be upheld. And if they're going to continue to fight, to silence it, then that means you all at home have to make it a part of your home. It has to be a part of your daily work. And I know a lot of y'all are like, well, I already do that. I know you're in the car right now. Well, we already do that. Because your child should be at school raising their hand saying, "Uh uh-uh, nope, my mama said. That was me, by the way. I was definitely that kid. No. And it wasn't even like I was disrespectful because I would say that no in my head. But I would raise my hand and say, well... Aren't we leaving out da-da-da-da-da? We have to continue to make it our business to be teaching that which is being attempted to be untaught, which is the truth. Them alternative facts? Yeah, these legislators, these fucking lawmakers, and these politicians, they are living on that. And you know what it's all about? It's all about greed. All of it. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. It's all about greed. It's about money. So... As we go into 2022, we got to keep up the good work, y'all. We got to keep up the good fight. We got to keep up the good trouble. Rest in peace to John Lewis. We got to keep it up. We got to keep talking about that which they want to silence. We got to keep fighting to make space for that. We got to keep fighting for our teachers to be able to have the space for that. And we got to keep creating spaces for real. Because if we don't and we expect others to do so, then before we know it, we'll realize that, oh shit, that fell to me. And because I didn't do it, it didn't get done. And now it's too late. Don't let it happen. 2022 is coming and we got to keep up, not just critical race theory, 
not just talking about race in schools. We got to keep up our curiosity. We got to keep up, not curiosity is not the word. We got to keep up our consciousness of the fact that there is a continual attempt to silence. So that means you need to continuously be working to be loud. And I honestly hope that if I've done anything in my life, that I made y'all laugh and I made y'all learn something about your voice that you may not have really trusted and that by learning that, it gave you voice. If I've done anything, I hope that I've done that. I would love to request for you guys to leave some reviews on our Small Doses page. Give me five stars, I hope. And if in those reviews, if you, I, I mean, I, I really hope that in those reviews, I see people that say, you know, this show has help me to recognize things about myself and thus giving me voice. Because I really truly, truly believe that like we have to speak. Communication is key. And we need to speak thoughtfully with intellectualism, with valid research, and honestly about where we were, where we are, and where we want to go. And to that end, we have to dump anybody that was involved in the January 6th insurrection who is still in Congress. It is maddening to me. I mean, I know it's a process and they're getting, you know, they're getting more in the weeds. And I'm, I will say I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat, I've, I hate to even say this word, but I'm somewhat kind of sort of perhaps maybe impressed that there are folks who are speaking and, and spilling the tea about the fact that there were a number of members of Congress who were involved in the planning of this. This wasn't Joe the plumber who was like, let me get my guys together so we can go to the Capitol. It's impossible for that to have happened without there being an inside job. But what's wild is finding out that the inside job, it wasn't like one or two folks. It was a squad of folks. I mean, we are, this is like house of cards shit. So if we have all of that and we are still allowing people to like sit in their appointed positions, like I just, I find that maddening and frightening and it's treasonous. It is literally treasonous. And by the way, like the, the punishment for treason is death. So at the very least, you could lose your job. You about to lose your job. I hope that's actually what's about to take place. Side note, in 2021, you about to lose your job. The woman who was singing that, she said that by that going viral, she was able to get clean. She was at a very, very bad place in her life when that video went viral. And somehow she was able to turn that viralness into some stability and was able to get out from under. And... That's a beautiful story in the darkness. I just wonder how much longer those of us who are in America and call ourselves American can do so. Because literally, it's just a nationality at this point. I mean, I'm not saying that I ever really felt like I was a true American by nature of me knowing so much about this country and not wanting to associate myself with the heinousness that it continues to do. But like, it's even more and more and more just like, so these people who were in Congress, like, there's a possibility they could stay there. The fact that Donald Trump wasn't impeached was just mind-blowing to me. But I hope that in 2022, we get to see the bad guys. And there's very many levels to bad guys, don't get me wrong, because at this point, I'm looking at Joe Biden. Like, I don't even, like, I never thought you were a great guy, but it feels like you're a bad guy. But these folks, they're not just bad. They're, they're dumb. And... They don't deserve to tell you about what your life should be by law. They don't. And the fact that they have taken on such nefarious deeds 
Because what January 6th was supposed to be didn't even turn out. It was supposed to be far more bloodier. It was supposed to be far more dramatic. Yeah. yeah. When a motherfucker's in there with zip ties, it is only by the fact that, like, that one security guard, Ernie, like, he changed the fate of January 6th, for real, by leading the fucking rioters in the other direction while Congress was able to get to safety. So, like, I, I just, I want that for us in 2022. I want us to be able to f- once and for all dump any of the January 6th insurrection people. And keep accountability. I want to see us really keep accountability in 2022. Oh, let me just say this. <clears throat> Cancel culture, I feel like, has become synonymous for a lot of people with accountability. And I don't think it's okay because the the idea of cancel culture is like you're done. Whereas I don't think accountability should mean you are like taken off of this earth. And I think there's a spectrum upon which how done somebody should be. For instance, like these January 6th insurrection people, like they should be done. They should no longer be able to be in politics. Like they have to find something in the private sector, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And honestly, they should be imprisoned. Keep it funky. But I see that there's a lot of effort that is made to really just cancel and do away with and dissolve people who may say something that is problematic, right? Or may say something that is ignorant or may say something that others find harmful. And it's done without there even being any opportunity for that person who may not have even known what they were saying to be able to acknowledge like, oh, my bad. Now, there are some folks that are told like, hey, this isn't cool. And then they continue to do the same thing that isn't cool, like repeatedly. And that's when I'm like, okay, so what are we really talking about here? Because this is beyond accountability. This is you being a dick. But when I talk about keeping accountability, I also want to just point that out for ourselves, like in our spiritual rising, like in our grounding, in our maturation, in our growth. Because as we continue to like ground ourselves in who we want to be, the only way we do so is by holding ourselves accountable for the ways in which we move off that path. And I feel like sometimes people don't want to do that because they feel like they're being a sucker or they're being led or, you know, they're being a wimp. And it's like, you're actually being incredibly brave. Because no one should have to hold you accountable but you. And it's always better when you hold yourself accountable before somebody else because, yeah, like, it feels like choice. And choice feels like power. So I want to remind us of that in 2022. Because in 2021, I do feel like I'm seeing a lot more of us say, oh, you know what? My bad. Like, even my boo the other day, like, we had an argument. And I was right. And it wasn't one of those, like, I'm right because I believe this. It was, I'm right because, like, this is how we grow. And he was, like, arguing back, but come on, y'all. And, you know, we took some, like, a couple minutes apart. And about 20 minutes later, he came and was like, you know, I hear what you're saying. And so in that conversation, I was like, you know, sometimes I just feel like, you know, you don't um, acknowledge and change course when you've like left the course that we should be on. And he was like, that's what I'm doing right now. And I was like, oh, that's right. Yes, I'm witnessing accountability right now. I want to connect this with our next dump, which is cancel culture, because I believe that cancel culture becomes so problematic because it doesn't really hold somebody accountable. It doesn't hold their feet to the fire. It doesn't grow them. It doesn't inform them. It doesn't push them to preserve 
It actually is a very violent way of dealing with folks. It's very Machiavellian in that way. And it's also Roman Colosseum, everybody watching the gladiator, and let's see if he's going to get eaten. People pile on in a way that is simply, I mean, it's unkind, but it's also just not helpful. It's not redemptive. When we talk about abolishing prisons, it's not that we're saying that there shouldn't be repercussions for the behaviors and the actions that people have taken. It says that we need to create a system where the repercussions are actually redemptive and allow for a person who went off path to get on a better path. Because that should always be the goal, not disposing. And I don't think cancel culture actually hopes to do that. So when we talk about cancel culture, when I talk about cancel culture, what I'm talking about is not that we shouldn't hold people accountable because we absolutely need to hold people accountable. But I do also feel like cancel culture, for the most part, I feel like it's being applied to shit that is like also just OD. Like people are like taking the smallest thing or taking one instance of something and just like going to the fucking moon with it. And it's always, I feel like being led by folks who have nothing to lose. So it's like, okay, well, you don't even have anything to lose in this game. So why are you going so hard at having somebody else lose everything? Why? And then on the other side of that, sometimes I feel like the people who are being addressed with accountability or cancel culture, they're not even willing to acknowledge. And I feel like that's where the accountability has to come in. You should be able to acknowledge. But because the canceling be so fucking hectic, and I can say this as someone who's been through this, it be feeling like I can't even acknowledge because I'm having to defend myself. And even if I do acknowledge, people use that and weaponize that against you. So we got to find a better way. We got to find a better way. We got to dump cancel culture. We got to dump it. We got to identify ways in which people have wronged and offer not only commentary on solutions and understanding, right? And informing them and understanding but also offer space to see like, well, they going they gonna switch, they gonna they gonna get on course, what they gonna do. It's like cancel culture needs to be more like, let me see what you're gonna do, culture. <laughs> now that you know better. Are you gonna do better? Let's see. While we're talking about keeping things, everybody, I need y'all to keep your puppies that you got during the pandemic. I feel like a lot of people I'm hearing went ham and emptied out the shelters during the pandemic, and now they're returning the dogs. And by the way, the dogs are mentally puppies because the dog is a puppy for three years, but they're not physically puppies. They're like adults now because they're like a year and change. And it's way harder to get an adult dog adopted. It's also more expensive to care for an adult dog, particularly in a shelter situation. So a lot of y'all who are returning dogs because you just didn't realize how much it was going to be impacting your life, like you are impacting the dog's life now and putting them in a possible euthanasia situation. How does that feel for you? I just can't deal with the selfishness. We got to keep puppies. We don't even deserve dogs for what it's worth, okay? We don't fucking deserve dogs. Do you see the dog videos that happen on these internets and you're just like, oh my God, we don't deserve these creatures. They're so lovely and they care about us, you know, and they love us and they, they're adorable. Look at Jordy over here just napping. Just adorbs. He has one eye. He doesn't even know. He doesn't care. He's like, I'm happy. I'm out here. Let me go see what these cats is doing. We don't deserve dogs. And in that, we have to be very cherishing of them as a gift because you're so perfect and I love them. And I just commend everybody in the rescue industry who is honest and ethical about their rescuing and who really is genuinely trying to find good homes for dogs. And I'm a big proponent of adopt, don't shop, but y'all's really fucking shit up. So in 2022, keep the puppies. 
So in 2021, I dumped renting. (laughs) And let me tell you, I've been renting for a long time. And I dumped renting and became a homeowner. As we speak, I am dealing with a leak due to rain and we can't even figure out where the leak is coming from. So that's a whole other conversation. But I still would not trade having made this life leap into homeownership because it's teaching me a lot about things besides just like the maintenance of a home. It's also teaching me about like patience. It's also teaching me about like how to use my brain a different way in terms of critical thinking, like in a hands-on way, not just in like theory and philosophy, but in like a, what are the actual possibilities for why this league is happening? What is the better way that you can conserve energy? What is the optimal options for making sure that your animals are as happy as possible in this dwelling? And thinking about those things just feels like a way better use of my brain than constantly being wrapped up in the macrocosm of the internet or in the chicanery. What does chicanery mean? Why is that word in my head? Let's see. Hold on. This is research that I'm doing. So what I'm doing is I'm looking up chicanery and I am utilizing the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, Deception by Artful Subterfuge or Sophistry. Ah, so what I was saying, the chicanery of our political system and government. And honestly, like pop culture shit that I'm learning like against my own will. Like I hate that my brain like sometimes thinks about things like the Kardashians. I don't give a fuck. But because it's just like in my face, there we have it. So I dumped renting. And I dumped having to ask someone for permission to live the way I want to live. And it's been a really character-building experience. But I'm going into 2022 with hopefulness. And it's also been a relationship-building experience because it's really enforced team-building with me and my partner. And we're doing a great job at it. We're doing a great fucking job at it. Like, I'm here doing this podcast and trying to handle shit, and there's a leak This nigga is in a whole other state right now and was able to set up for the contractor to come and look at the leak, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't even have to do that. Teamwork. No ego. This is the problem. How can we divvy up how it gets dealt with? And at this point, I will say I want to give us props because we don't even have to verbalize how to divvy it up. We already know. And it's really like a nice, like warm feeling, particularly for a cancer and an only child. My final keep is smart, funny, and black. Let me tell you why, what I mean by this. 2021 was, for a lot of people, they thought it was the year that, you know, everything was going to go back to normal, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just simply not been the case. And there's just so much that has to get handled and so much that still is like in the air. And so here we are in 2022 and smart, funny, and black was supposed to be back on tour. We were able to do a show in Boston. And then, you know, there was the Apollo show. But it has been a labor of love to make sure that we keep Smart, Funny, and Black as a brand going and growing. And it's been so much by the support of you all that we've been able to do so. Because this was a live show. And we ain't been able to do live shows. So we did virtual shows. 
And then I was like, we need to be doing these virtual shows for free. We need to be doing them for free because we need people to really understand that this is about community. And I want everybody to be able to see these shows. Now, honestly, we need sponsors. We need sponsors for the live show and we need sponsors for the virtual show. We need sponsors for the virtual show because I still have to pay to do a virtual show. And also for what it's worth, we're reaching a dope ass audience. And with sponsors, we'd be able to pay for bigger marketing, which would also create us an even doper ass audience. For the live show, we need sponsors because I don't want my tickets to go up in cost. And that's naturally what ends up happening once you go into bigger venues and also once you expand your production. I don't want to have to charge more for tickets. I want everybody to be able to come to this fucking show. Shit, if I had my way, we would do this shit for free. If I didn't have a shit ton of expenses. But with a sponsor, we wouldn't have to do that. With a sponsor, we would have a surplus of funds that would be able to not only pay my staff more, but that would also be able to do more for our production. And that would also in turn be able to create more for you all. So in 2022, I'm keeping Smart, Funny, and Black going and growing. My goal is to significantly grow Smart, Funny, and Black within the next eight months in terms of its visibility and its impact. I'm not completely sure how I'm going to do that, but that's a goal that I've set for myself because I really truly understand, especially once we did that Boston show, how much this show means to people, how much joy it brings them, how fulfilling it is for me and for my team. And so it is imperative that I keep this going. This shit is called smart, funny, and black. I got to keep that going because we started this shit with we got to keep intellectualism. And that's what smart, funny, and black is all about. And we also started a Donors Choose initiative on our smart, funny, and black Instagram page so that we can help support black teachers and their classrooms around the nation. And we are continuing to create content and put it on our Patreon, content that is exactly that, smart, funny, and black because we want to empower and enrich. We want people to laugh and learn at the same time. And I'm working to get shows sold on a bigger scale that continue to uphold, I mean, just quality. I believe in entertainment as an element of healing and for change. And edutainment is an incredibly important part of our Black story and narrative in this nation and overcoming. And I really believe that Smart, Funny, and Black is a continuance of that canon. So we got to keep it going. So I really do appreciate y'all continuing to keep the platform alive, subscribing on Patreon. It's really been dope to see people through their support let us know that we care about your content and we understand that we need to be pouring into this space in order to keep it going. It's super dope. So we're going to keep Smart, Funny, and Black into 2022 and beyond. The last dose. It's so important that we continue to always reflect on every year. You know, these years, you know, then you have people who are like, these years was made up by the Romans. This ain't even real. Like, and I hear you. But for what it's worth in the time that we're living in, it's a benchmark. It's a stop and start point. It's a, a clear passage of time that lets us identify things like growth. And I think it's so important. I don't really believe in necessarily New Year's resolutions, but I just feel like it's always good to do your own research on yourself. (laughs) Small doses, we have really shifted this year in terms of our content by taking the conversation beyond me and taking it to other folks and experts and intellectuals and creatives. And that was because at a certain point, I definitely feel like the world always has to get beyond your perspective. That's the only way you continue to grow. We've been doing this shit since... 2017? Have we been doing this since 2017? So top of 2018. I done lived in three different places (laughs) since we started this. And 
the fact that we, you know, we kind of kept it. We would have interviews every so often, but we kept it to really like my POV for the first three years. You know, that was by design. And I really love that you guys have been so appreciative. I get the DMs, you know, of you saying like, oh, really love that conversation. Thank you for bringing that person on, et cetera. And that you also have allowed me to expand because really what's dope is that I'm getting to learn so much more through this podcast. I'm getting to talk to people that I've always wanted to talk to. I'm getting to gain understanding and growth. And I guess the, the word is growth of this episode because I've said it's 50, 11 times, but just insight and input into things that, I really feel like I've wanted to know more about, but didn't necessarily know where to go. And all of this without having to leave the house because there's still been a pandemic. So may you have an incredible new year. May your 2021 be more so a moment of reflection than a scar to bear. And may this podcast continue to be a space for you to find humor and joy and insight as we continue on. A podcast network.